everyone, welcome back to Footwise of the Podcast, and today we are talking about Game of Thrones because we have to talk about season eight. As always, I'm Kate and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? In a surprise to no one, Matt is not here as he also was not on our season seven episode. And we have a special guest to come and share the love of Game of Thrones and join the conversation. That's Danny. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm excited to have you here. I'm happy Adrian asked you. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm glad that worked out. Because I, I, I knew this was going to be an episode because of the 10-year anniversary um, last month. Uh, but I didn't know how it was going to go. But Danny was like, I have opinions on season eight. And I was like, great. That's exactly what we need. We need <laughs> all the opinions. Um, so, Danny, why don't you intro yourself? Tell people where you're from what you do and why you're here to talk about game of thrones before we kick it off to adrian uh yeah sure uh, so my name is danny i uh i do a podcast where we talk about comic books and pop culture stuff um and we make videos and stuff it's called the next issue podcast uh i recently throughout this whole past year i actually met kate and adrian through the but why though community discord server which is an amazing place to hang out uh and yeah, we've just been like, I love pop culture. I love comics. I love anything that is, you know, fantasy genre based. So like any kind of entertainment, I'll check it out because I like, I like looking at all different kinds of things. Um, so that's kind of what brought me here. I saw you guys were talking about Game of Thrones and I chimed in and here we are. Awesome. Well, if you've been listening to any one of our Game of Thrones episodes, then you know that Adrian is the most qualified to talk about this. So I'm going to hand the reins over to him. Yeah, so uh, today we're gonna be talking about um, kind of. So it's let's, let's rewind. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting into my my thoughts on season eight and and things like that. <laughs> I, I got feelings. I just I don't know I'm how to. I'm waiting place for it. you to screen share a PowerPoint. Honestly, <laughs> how else can you do Game of Thrones without you know extensive whiteboards? Uh, we're we're watching right now with one of my friends, and we got like a whiteboard and like started doing family tree lines so that she could understand all the characters a little bit better because there's a lot in that first season that just get thrown at you. But game of Thrones did celebrate its 10 year anniversary, April 17th, 2021. Um, and it's been two years since we've had any kind of game of Thrones content with the end of season eight. So we'll kind of talk about a little bit of retrospective on season eight and what's to come in the future. Cause we do have a lot coming down the pipeline for game of Thrones. Um, but if you know anything about game of Thrones and if you were around two years ago when we were all, losing our minds you probably haven't talked about game of thrones much since then after talking about it for 10 years straight so we're going to kind of talk about you know why that happened and what what we think why or if that would ever happen again like what would be the next thing for that to, to happen to so for our intro question we'll just kind of place everybody from the get-go but for season eight which boat were you in were you in the this season is terrible in D D? Uh, shouldn't get any more projects or were you in the, it was okay. Or were you, I enjoyed it. We'll start with Kate. So you're talking about after season eight or like yeah, season after season eight. eight after. Like, um, so <laughs> D and D has done their own like mess that like made me think that they shouldn't get any projects, but <laughs> you know, Confederate, um, but in a bubble <laughs> where game of Thrones is the only thing that exists and not taking into account the other, like, foolery um i wasn't necessarily in there only because personally i don't like an a bad ending is a bad ending 
but it doesn't erase the journey that we went on to get to this, which they also did and was very good. And so it is one of those things where like, I think that what it taught me was they need to have restraints. They're not creators who can go and do everything they want because if they don't have budget constraints, if they don't have push from other people, they're gonna do dumb things. Um, because I mean, and other creators have like Tim Burton's movies suck when you give him a giant budget, you limit his budget, he makes better movies, Beetlejuice case in point. Um, but I also think it looks at the circumstances too, because like they, they rushed through that project because they were supposed to get that Star Wars project and they've even talked about that. And that point is hard, but again, yes, just based on the season, I'm going everywhere now, just based on the season itself, I don't necessarily think they shouldn't get stuff it's all the other stuff around it like their interviews and like that kind of stuff where i've been like mm, maybe maybe you maybe you should sit down for a little bit go sit in the corner think some and come back later <laughs> <laughs> what about you danny did you did you have fond feelings for season eight and D D? were you mixed were you in the middle um so as far as the creative team, I I'm not I, like I was not familiar with them before this, and maybe they it's because maybe they hadn't done anything uh, as big as Game of Thrones. Um, I, going into the show, I I've never read the books. Uh, I've read a little bit of the comics, but the comics are really just kind of based on. It feels like they're based on the TV show instead of the actual books, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so I didn't have any like extra baggage or feelings coming into even watching the show. Uh, and then as far as season eight, I can definitely, I can definitely see where it's not as good as the beginning of, of the, the show, you know, the first few seasons. Um, but overall, I think the part that this season, especially season eight gave me the most was, uh, we treated it as, as an event. Like we would get together at my buddy's house and get, you know, he has a really nice setup, uh, and we would get excited week to week. Uh, I forgot how much fun I had watching stuff week to week until more recent shows have started doing that again, as opposed to binging. Uh, but yeah, just watching and then, you know, Sunday nights, we all get together, Game of Thrones, and we'll have dinner beforehand. Like, all that stuff really added to my experience of watching season eight. Uh, it has a, it has a lot of really cool moments. Uh, um, I like a lot of the characters, and we'll go more into detail into specifics, I guess, but overall, I think that like Kate mentioned the journey like I feel like maybe we didn't get where we eat like everybody thought we were going to get to but I still got to a place where I really enjoy the show uh and because I don't follow the creators as closely like I don't look at all their interviews and stuff I like looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff and all that stuff feels like everyone was just working their asses off in the in the winter wonderland that they shot everything in so like all that stuff just makes me appreciate the show a lot better uh, so many cool creators that have moved on to do other things like, you know, the directors and stuff that they brought in for for season eight. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the experience of it, even if the story was not the best, like what, that, that I feel we could have gotten. That's the most wholesome take I've ever heard for season eight. I know. I was like my heart. Because I feel bad that I'm going to say I hated that season with the passion of a thousand sons. I know. I'm uh, expecting you to be like, I hated it and I will fight D&D &D in a Target parking lot. Because <laughs> um, a lot like you, Danny, like we, we treated that like an event, which we hadn't done 
um, really before, like so much so that like that group is still the group that I watched like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with and things like that. And everyone was angry while we watched it. So we didn't have a Danny in our group who, you know, could shine some like positive light. So I think as we watched it, we all just got progressively more angry as it went, I think is um, what happened with us. And I do, I do enjoy the journey. And I didn't, cause when I was one of those people who was like, you need to watch Game of Thrones. Have you watched Game of Thrones yet? Like, you know, I got like people like Jojo people. I was a Jojo person, but for Game of Thrones, like I'm recommending it to everybody. Hold on, hold I think on. it's the best TV ever. That is an extremely good, uh, like explanation for a person who recommends you for something. And I'm going to steal that. Please do. Cause that's how I felt. I went from recommending it to everybody to, not recommended to anybody for like two years, like so much so that I hadn't watched an episode after that thing. And I, that's after going through a rewatch like every single year for like 10 years. And, I will um, say to your point, um, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I went from the hype of wanting to talk about it with everybody to nope, I'm nope, not doing fair. this. That's funny. I, I, fair. I was the guy at the office that people knew I was watching the show and I was excited about it. So like they would come ask me like, and I was like, yeah, get into it. Like, I think, I think it's worth you at least checking it out. All right. Um, so yeah, kind of like that, kind of like the same, uh, and even, you know, even after season eight, I would still encourage people to go watch it and kind of judge for yourself, like how this TV show lands the ending. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're, um, rewatching with one of our friends who's uh, staying with us and, I, we didn't want to do it, but we watched that first episode, that first episode of Game of Thrones, and it was it. It, it was a wrap. And I was like, all right, I'm getting sucked back in. Here we go again. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing poses like the JoJo people, but like in my head on a throne. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 it's good. You know, we're on season three. You know, the Red Wedding's about to happen. You Oof. know, she has no idea. I'm so excited. Watching it with someone who's never watched it before is like an insane experience because I never like rewatched it with someone who hasn't watched it before or or read the books. Like when yeah. we get to that part, like my well, even season one when we get to the end of season one, I'm like, this is your main character, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they just go for it. Yeah. So um, I, I'm I am less angry now two years later. But I'm not looking forward to season eight. Even after doing these notes, like stuff was coming back to me. Like it was <laughs> just not a good relationship that I wasn't um, a super big fan of. But we'll kind of jump into obviously we're not going to go into like a whole kind of background of the production history and things like that. The show's been out for a while. Um, if you want to refer back to it, episode 28, um, that's still on the website and, you know, everywhere else you can find us. You can find up to that episode was right before season seven so there's mm -hmm. a 2017 um we do it we do it then then we do kind of like a recap of season seven right before season eight so there's we, we do have some some game of yeah. thrones content and i would there. actually say like it's really good to listen to both of them like back to back because my my opinion actually changes from that first recording that we have to season seven yeah. because i did a full rewatch of the entire series going into season seven and then watch season seven, which season seven for me is probably one of my favorites. So like, it's actually a really, really good pairing between the two. Yeah. So kind of what we talked about, if you just want to kind of quick recap, kind of too long, didn't listen. And there's a whole lot of content out there right now. So I totally understand. But some of the big things that we did cover in that episode were the elements of all of the best shows, definitely at that time. And I would say even now, kind of in one show so you have political intrigue with veep i was gonna say house of cards but you know 
that yeah, stuff. No, no. <laughs> um, you know, Vikings, you have the sword and board and the really good plot for everybody. Everybody gets a little plot in this show. Plot. Uh, yeah. Quotations plot. Yeah. Kate plot. Kate plot. Uh, <laughs> when, you know, The Walking Dead was good, you had lots of like twists and turns and you were like, you didn't know if your favorite character was going to die from week to week, which Game of Thrones definitely had. And then you definitely yep. had the supernatural magic-y, you know, uh, fantasy elements as well that kind of all fit in one. So question. I, oh, sorry, I have a question. No, I was just going to say, when I saw your notes, I was like, wait, did he put Supernatural in this list? Because I definitely agree, but I don't <laughs> think that's where you were going. But so, sorry. So no, so what I actually wanted to bring up, I think it's funny that this is like the list that we use to kind of compare because three of those last shows have been called out for going on way too long and losing <laughs> their value in the end. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Vikings, so amazing. And then Ragnar's gone, and it's like, whoop, dip in quality. Walking Dead, must we say more? Uh, <laughs> I still I, I, I still love Supernatural with all my heart, but I admit the last, like, seven seasons are trash, but please put it into my eye holes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I do, like, as we go into this, and it's probably something I want to bring up, is, like, uh netflix giving us smaller shows and like having timelines that aren't stretched out like for a whole bunch so yeah oh yeah. yes sorry oh yeah so it's like this is very like 2017 things and i couldn't really think of like obviously honestly because there's nothing really on we're barely starting to get like our big shows back i couldn't think of any uh good comparisons but i think when i would recommend this show to people and people were like, well, I don't like high fantasy or like, I don't like fantasy or whatever. Like, well, do you like, do you like political intrigue? Do you like backstabbing? Do you like hot people on TV? Like there's a lot to this show than just, you know, the aesthetic of it that makes it really good. So that was something that we definitely talked about in that episode. And of course we're going to talk, we talked about the storytelling and the characters and kind of how good they are, you know, how good they are at being good, how good they are at like making you hate and, person for with like all the passion in the world that you just want bad things to happen to that character yeah um and i think general consensus would be up to season seven they did a pretty good job of adapting material and then going on to do their own things when they outpace the books so the storytelling elements were definitely there leading up to season seven uh there's a kind of like i guess there's probably more of like a general split in season seven from from my understanding i like season seven but i know some people don't but um, just kind of the overall can, you know, good guys don't always win. Like, like Danny said, you know, guy, the, the, our, our hero, but looking back is just a dummy, just bad, just, just dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb guy. Dumb, dumb. Uh, he's a, he's a himbo without the body. Like yeah, that's, he's a himbo that's without him. like the endearing qualities. Cause when I watched it again, it was like, oh dude, you just like ruined everything. Like this is kind of all your There's fault a, difference. a little bit. So that's the difference. So like one of the things, and I always say this, everybody's like himbos are dumb. I was like, no. Himbos are emotionally intelligent and they use it to drive all of their choices. Right. Jon Snow is both dumbs. Like, he doesn't <laughs> get it emotionally and he doesn't get it strategically. He knows yeah. nothing. They told us. They let us know oh, early in the show. Yes. Uh, yeah, but like... <laughs> look, as somebody that put all their eggs in uh, Rob Stark's basket. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's early... fun. That's a early fun thing on to in watch. The, yeah. yeah, early on in the show, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm buying Rob Stark. I get, I get what the show is now. You can't <laughs> fool me twice." And they did. And, and I will say too, like, 
for like all the characters that it has that like really creates like i hated sansa stark um and me and adrian disagree here but i hated her so much and i actually think she becomes a phenomenal character in seven and eight yep. to me um and i actually wrote a piece about like so this is the thing i wrote two think pieces one about aria and one about sansa in the middle of season eight and then i left season eight never wanting to touch it again but like i i do think like the character arcs in this show are really good minus minus Jon snow and then the and and season eight like season one to like 8.4 great character building well yeah i mean that's kind of like the big thing for season eight right because then you kind of throw away all of jamie's long and strenuous character development you know you you know, Daenerys's character development, and it's I... just, there's just so much stuff thrown away. Um, in in, in that, in, in my opinion, because they do such a good job of world building and doing callbacks, and you know, making you remember the thing that happened in season one. Um, and then I think that a little bit of that does get lost in season eight. But overall, again, like you said in the beginning, and like Danny said, the journey is great. Yeah. Like watching these characters grow is great. Um, watching Sansa go from like season one Sansa to season you know, two and a half where she's like, Joffrey's like my only one true love oh. after he, she almost gets shot in the chest with the crossbow bolt. Like she, she gets it pretty early. Uh, but I just think they kind of like fumbled her a little bit in season eight compared to you know, season yeah. 17. I think they should I know, have I, we're, just... we're split on this. We have, yeah. we have a, we, we talked about it. We talked about it in that another yeah. episode. <laughs> but I do, I do like her development even in, in those early seasons. That I also think it's hard because I love game. her fashion in season eight. Like, she just this comes off as a cold, hard bitch, like, that entire time. I'm like, you know what? I'm with you. Give her all the power. And then, yeah. then they build her up for it. And they're like, no, yeah. actually, she gets nothing. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then, and, then and of why? Course, <laughs> the, the variety <laughs> of characters, right? Like, there's just kind of, there's somebody, there's somebody for everybody, right? Because especially yeah. early on, like, you're trying to figure out who do you root for? And in the early stages, there was a lot of people to root for. Even in the, you know, quote, unquote, bad side, there were people to to um enjoy like you know Tyrion with the Lannisters you're not supposed to like the Lannisters but you're like oh well Tyrion's a good guy I guess maybe you know Varys is a good guy maybe who knows well you know he's an asshole so there's a lot of variety in in the characters yeah. to have that facil facilitate those those kind of discussions oh I mean also my, my girl Cersei she's evil she's awful I don't like her on a moral standpoint but Lena Haiti in oh. that role, like Perfect. actually, like she's terrifyingly calculating and really well done as a villain yeah. until like season 8.4. Uh, <laughs> she, like, she's one of my favorite. She, she's Yeah, I love That's watching good. her because she definitely like it's very different because like the Joffrey hate was like this kid is both annoying and a sociopath. Cersei for me is more like just a true villain and a true evil. And I think that that's what makes it really good. Anyway. Yeah. I'm jumping. I'm, I'm jumping. <laughs> no, all you're good. You're I'm good. sorry. I'm excited. I haven't. <laughs> legit. I haven't talked about Game of Thrones since the end of season eight at all with anybody in yeah. any context. So yeah. like. Yeah. I'm only yeah. going on a couple of weeks. So, so I'm excited. I'm excited too. So. And and before we kind of move on to the season eight stuff, uh, we did. We did. Obviously, we're going to we talked about some of the, like the stuff that was taboo stuff that they just didn't handle very well especially kind of in the later seasons um in both like the adaptations and like there's just execution but also some of the stuff that a lot of shows at least in 2011 right aren't really kind of doing when you're talking about interrelational relationships same-sex relationships bisexual relationships but then also like their um treatment of women was really really bad like those last couple of seasons just like unnecessarily bad for really no no reason 
Um, and it's a gory show. There's lots of body Throw mutilations. Throw them all away. Throw all <laughs> the women away. Yeah, we're 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 going through an under we watch where we're Theon uh, just got his sausage chopped right off. So there's a lot of uh, I forgot sometimes like how graphic the show gets. So there's um, a lot of cool things, but there's a lot of things that you know require greater discussion, which I think we we covered pretty well in um, our previous Game of Thrones content. So if you want to go check that out, you're definitely go do that. So before we kind of move into kind of season eight and beyond, is there anything else that you feel like you need to kind of mention um, about what kind of drew you into the show or what it does differently? Or do you kind of think we can kind of get that in the rest of the show? I got a quick thing that it's really, yeah, go for uh, it. so as, as, as the 10th year anniversary thing is happening too, I'm working on a few videos for our channel. And one of them is like how I started watching Game of Thrones. And it's kind of, a, it's just a quick story that I like to tell, especially people that I haven't talked about Game of Thrones with. Uh, in 2011, when the show was coming out, Stars was also doing a show called Camelot at the same time. They were going to premiere at the same time. And I was like, well, I only have room for one new show that's kind of about medieval stuff in my life. And the reason I went with Game of Thrones was because uh, I was a big fan of Mark Addy, who had uh, he had a sitcom at the time. Uh, he had been in a few movies that I really like. And I was like, well, I think I got to watch this one. And then looking back, I was like, well, I picked the right one because Camelot, I don't think it went past two seasons. And and Game of Thrones just kind of exploded. So thanks to Mark Caddy, I picked the right horse to, to put all my, you know, my, my, my watching behind. I, uh, I was a late, actually, like, kind of to celebrate, like, the 10 years of it. I was late to Game of Thrones. I don't think I watched it till season three. Whatever came out, like, my last... My last year of college, that's 2014, 2013. Mm. I don't know. What, what, whatever season correlates to that. And I binge watched it and then I watched it. And then we had like uh, my Arabic class, like we all got together and watched it all together and like did a whole bunch of cool stuff. And it that was fun. Um, and I think that it's the only show that I've ever appreciated as week to week because I feel like it's also the first, I feel like it's the first show that really lived on Twitter. Like, we have everybody yeah. do live tweets of things now, but, like, nothing like that. And I don't even, I don't know if we talked about it in the in the Game of Thrones thing in, in, in our past episodes. But, like, that would be the one thing I would add is, like, over the course of, the, of its 10-year run, I feel like it's a show that really benefited from social media. And it was one of those where, like, even if you didn't watch it with people or make it an event yourself, it was probably the first exposure into forming an online community around something for a daily wa- for a for a weekly watch um, that I really loved. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was gonna put the stats in here, but kind of trying to generate the scope of what Game of Thrones was during that ten years. If you weren't on the train, or if you got on there late, or whatever the case is, but it was like the most like the most trending thing on social media throughout like it's an, almost its entire run after season two because of the viewership spiked and everything um, was going through the roof. Um, What was one of the other stats? Uh, It was like simulcast in like 174 countries or something like that. Uh, It was was huge. It was huge. And I don't think that we've had anything like that since. And definitely not something that I had in our, at least like my adults ish hood. Right. I mean, the Sopranos obviously like, it's like a big weekly watch and and those things, but I'm too, too young to like, know what the sopranos was going on there (laughs) also like i just don't think online culture has fit around any other show in the same way because Mm -hmm. like 
I think that there was a big difference. Like, I, I still, I'm, I don't like weekly releases because not everybody has the same access to it. Because, like, you end up with people watching something at, like, 2 a.m. when it drops and then ruining it for everybody mm. else. Whereas, like, game, and so, like, episod- episodically on a streaming platform is very different than it is coming on at this time. Everybody will watch this at the mm-hmm. same time. And yeah. that is when you know to, like, get your spoiler tags yeah. ready, like, watch everything. And then I think, and, and I think that that's the, because I don't like episodic television now. Because it's on streaming platforms and it's a very big disparity. Like, yo, Dito was spoiled for me. Like, that sucked. Um, And so I think, like, that is what separates it. And I don't think that that there has been another show that came in at a time slot that had that same impact or is even done today. Because we get, like, tags for, like, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier or Mandalorian and stuff. But, like, it's it's not like a – it's not an event happening at the same time with everyone. It's like a two-day span as people roll in and watch. Yeah, people aren't moving their time slots to compete with. Yeah, know, exactly. WandaVision is because WandaVision did, or even The Mandalorian is because The Mandalorian is. No one's moving time slots for that. Um, and I mean, and no one moved. I mean, and but people were moving and going out of their way to watch season eight, despite everything we've said in the you know the first twenty minutes of our show today. People watched Game of Thrones season eight, um, and the viewership went up every single episode, but the ratings also went down. It kind of fluctuated a little bit in those first three, but viewership you know, as a trend went up the whole time, and the ratings definitely went down. So for some context, episode one, Winterfell, um, 11.76 million with a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I thought the premiere was great. It was reported that the premiere was pirated nearly by 55 million people in the first 24 hours of its <laughs> release. And of those numbers, 9.5 uh, million downloads came from India, 5.2 came from China, and 4 came from the United States. So lots of people illegally streamed that first episode for sure. Um, episode 2, A Night of the Seven Kings, we're still going strong. Has a slightly has a slight dip, 10, uh, 10.2 million with an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. But it really starts to dip here going into the third episode. because This is kind of in Kate's kind of... 8.4 metric of of the of what she's been using. So the long night, 12 million, 74% on Ron Tomatoes, and then episode four, The Last of the Starks, 11 million, 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, episode five, The Bells, 12.4, 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the infamous Iron Throne season six or episode six, 13.6 million, 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, season eight overall on Rotten Tomatoes had a 54% critic score with 21 critics and a 30% audience score with 14,000 people scoring, which is far below any of the other seasons, which all have 90%, including that first season. However, despite all of this, you know, terrible ratings, it still ends up with five out of the six most watched episodes in the series. And episode six broke the Sopranos. Uh, record for viewership, which had 13.43 million all the way back in 2002 with a season four premiere, which is crazy. I think a lot of it, honestly, because I know a lot of people are like, well, if you hate, if you've hated the episodes, why do you keep watching? And the answer for me, and I think this is true for a lot of people was I've dedicated eight, like to 10 years of my life (laughs) to this. 
maybe it will get better. Maybe if I watch this episode, it will get better. And I feel like even as like people kept watching, I feel like people who kept watching and were anger tweeting was because I genuinely think that they wanted something better out of what was happening and was hoping that it would happen. And then credits roll on the Iron Throne and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. here we are. You know, I, I as I was working through, like, prepare for the episode, I was like, I think this is the first show that I read an article about the piracy. Like, I don't think we've ever kept piracy metrics for other shows. And maybe we had. I j- it was just never on my radar, which is super interesting. So far as I know, that was a big thing uh, for anime. One of the ways that they oh, were able yeah. to track what. <laughs> What got licensed was what were streamings, <laughs> what were scans, like what were like people fan subbing and stuff like that. That helped push a lot of the decisions for American distribution. I don't think it does as much now because you have, I mean, we talked about it in our Crunchyroll episode, like multiple simul dubs and simulcasts yeah. happening. But like um, piracy as a metric was used for, for that piece. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the other thing is I was looking at the chart of like, the more people watch, the more the ratings went down. And I was like, well, yeah, if there's so, if there's so many more eyes on a thing, then there's going to be more critics, which means that more people are going to chime in into a conversation. Uh, and then, you know, so I feel like that affected. Obviously, there was a lack in quality. But I think also the fact that and this may be a lot of people that are coming in late to the party, like they've been hearing the hype. Uh, they had two years to kind of prepare and rewatch everything for for season eight. Uh, and then everybody else kind of waited two years as well uh, in between seasons or almost two years. Uh, so you have all these new people, all these extra people uh, talking and not, you can't fulfill everyone's. And I don't know that they fulfilled anyone's, but you know, I don't know that anybody picked. Yeah, that's going to be the guy that sits on the throne at the end. Well, and that's the thing, though. Like, I'm fine with like, like so I I stopped reading fan fiction because it's just ripe for you to become angry at a thing because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And so I very much try to not hold a show accountable to my expectations. Right. Because I am not the writer on that show. That said, when you foreshadow, use <laughs> parallels, when you literally map it out for everybody and then don't do it, then we have a yeah, and it's not, it's not like you're not like happened. aware. It's not like you're not aware of all this fanfic, right? Like, how long did we go yeah. waiting for John to become a Targaryen? And then yeah. it didn't right. fucking matter. Yeah, well, I, well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think, because I think you are onto something, Danny. Like, when you have more people watching a thing, people will get mad when it doesn't go like what they expect. But I think that it's different with Game of Thrones in that, like, nothing seemed consistent from yeah. the end point to the journey. And I think that that's why people got more more viscerally viscerally angry at this versus like uh bucky and sam didn't kiss because like we knew that wasn't gonna happen anyway so like you know what i mean like there's a difference between like a fanfic expectation and a personal fan expectation and a expectation set from the show's perspective itself yeah Yeah. i definitely uh i was gonna say i definitely think the biggest thing that you said that's like that sticks with me the most is like no one wanted that right like I think about it. They made nobody happy. Nobody was happy. Because if I think about it, like, you know, like, what's like the other biggest controversy in like geekdom? Like, The Last Jedi is like very, like, oh, I didn't want this, didn't happen. But some people were happy. Lots and lots of people were happy with that movie. Nobody was happy with with the way that that ended. 
And I think, and I think part of it, like ultimately, I think why you end up with people so frustrated and, and for me, I don't only speak from like my perspective, right? I kept watching because I kept thinking like, they're not going to do this. Like they've literally set all of this up. They can't do this. And for me, my big thing was Daenerys because I was like the entirety of the series. And I don't think that Daenerys is infallible. Like I'm not one of those people, but I do think that Danny's entire story has been defined by flashbacks and her push against becoming what her family was known for. And I think the ease with which she was dropped into that role after spending so much time being aware and cognizant about it and being a pretty good leader strategically, that's what bugged me. Because it was one of those where it was like, oh, we've built her up to be somebody who knows her history and past so she will not enact this to like all of a sudden screw all of the people around me who I personally brought to tell me how to do yeah. things. Right. Yeah. If it was a gradual progression throughout fired. the season, that probably would have made more sense, right? If you'd like, you know, give it to... If she wants to burn down everything, let her burn down everything. But like, make it make sense at least. And well, see, and think... that's the thing, because I actually thought that like Homegirl acted her ass off, and those scenes are brilliant. No, the yeah. The taking a King's Landing is beautifully done. Yeah. Like she's genuinely intimidating, and for like a small ass white woman, like I'm like I'm terrified <laughs> of her, and that's cool. But it made no sense canonically, given what you did for her, the the rest of the time. Yeah, and it feels like I, I the one thing I didn't appreciate was that it kind of felt like the fact that she lost John, like is that the main like is that the last straw that made Danny turn? And I was like, she's been, uh, she's had so many other things. She's overcome so many other things. So and and her character has been so great. And yeah. then now she loses her nephew, which is also weird. A whole that's a her whole nephew husband. Her nephew husband, and now she can't be with him because, or now he might take the throne from her or whatever. And then that destroys everything that we've been building. Yeah. Well, and the other yeah. thing is too is like she straight up killed, like was fine with her brother getting killed. Like she, like she understood where she needed to be in in, in succession to power. So it makes sure it makes sense for her to take make sure he doesn't take power. I was but, fine like, with she that as well. Be, she wouldn't be that emotional about it. She'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, another person who's going to take something from me, that's fine. I've dealt with this before. Like, girls yeah. been through so much trauma and shit, but this is the thing that makes you go mad, Queen. Yeah. This? And I, and I think the warning signs were there. I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, well, in retrospect, we should have known it was going to be like this. But if you go back, and I know Danny said you don't really look at, like, the interviews and stuff, but the interviews leading up to this, like, finale and then this season were, like, really cringy and not good i put a like a quick like three minute thing in our show notes of some of it but um it just really like they were all just really acting like really negatively it's not one of those things like where they didn't want to spoil things they just seem generally unhappy um yeah uh you know kit harrington like literally called the finale disappointing when asked about it peter dinklage is pretty vocal that his character stopped being you know uh his character he stopped being smart started just yeah. doing dumb things for no reason um Varys's actor obviously was clearly disappointed by the way that his character went out and uh it was just a th common theme so yeah. and I think I think the biggest thing for me um prior to the last the the back the back part of the show but like in that season um I don't remember which episode it is but it's it's when Missende uh dies that that was the moment for me where I was like this is this is not correct cuz she has like 
she was somebody who fought so hard for agency and like she could have taken it into her own hands like she was if she was gonna die like i would have much rather had it been like from herself and then she's gone and i'm just like why did why 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 is this happening why yeah. like she was she was a strong character like both her and gray worm and i really hate that they both just got the short end of the stick with everything yeah yeah and, and my my kind of like you know discussion question was going to be here like do you agree with the ratings as the season went on but i think <laughs> it's pretty clear um given our consensus so I'll, I'll move on from there because somehow this still won a bunch of stuff like despite how angry people were it still had 32 Emmy nominations. It had a it had and two wins. It had outstanding drama, beating Better Call Saul, beating Bodyguard, beating Killing Eve, Ozark, Poise, Succession, and This Is Us, and outstanding actor in a drama series, Peter Dinklage, which is okay because Peter Dinklage. So, real quick, it is hard. Because again, the score, the cinematography, oh. the costuming, the <laughs> acting, like all of it is like S tier. The script is just booty. Like yeah. it is so hard. Like this is probably one of the best examples of like everything being perfect and it's still not working. Because like I do believe that that season deserves some awards. Yeah. But like not for an overall overarching story. Like, it was just bad from that perspective. But, like, everything else was perfect, and it really hurts at how much you could tell everybody put into it. Kind of like Danny said earlier, like, how much the actors put into these things. And then... Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of the nominations do make sense, because it does have a lot of costuming nominations and things like that. Um, but I think where it kind of falls off is when it's winning Best Drama Series. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but it also does have an American Film Institute award from that year that it came out. I don't know if anyone cares, but it does have an MTV Movie Award for the best show. Oh, that's the most important one, I think. <laughs> uh, for Saturn Awards, it won the best fantasy television series, and Keith Harrington won best actor, Peter Dinklage won best supporting actor, and Macy Williams won best performance by a young actor oh. on a television series. Never and of mind. course, a yeah. lot of costuming awards. Yeah, that's uh Macy Williams is the best the most important award. Never mind. Forget the MTV awards. <laughs> yeah, Macy Williams uh kills it. One of my favorite things leading up to this was um Macy Williams like faking out on Fallon, the, the fake spoiler. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that. That was so good. Yes, I love yeah. that. I watch. Well, it comes up on TikTok all the time. But yeah, yeah, I, it's great. I, I really um, and, and and that's the thing here. And I'll call it. I kind of move into it here. But like, there is good. Like Kate said, there is good things in this series, and I can fully admit those things. Like you know, despite the characters doing things out of character, the acting is still well done, even if the writing doesn't hold up in the end. The cast, and you mentioned this at the very beginning, Danny, the cast gave literally everything they had oh, yeah. to kind of save this ship, and it just wasn't enough. But you can't say that the actors didn't, no no actor phoned it in that season, for sure. No, I, I, I think, you know, now that we're talking about some of our favorite things at the end of the grid, uh, I am a big fan, other than Braun, I am a big fan of the new Small Council. Like I, I went, I went, I went online and I looked up, you know, who, who ended up on the small council at the end. And those are all some of my favorite characters. I dressed up as Sam for Halloween <laughs> one year because we have a similar physical uh, form and, you know, I got the beard and everything. So that small council at the end of the show, which is one of the last things we see, uh, like I said, other than Braun, I don't know that 
he yeah master of coin i don't know that he should be there but uh yeah everyone else in that pick in that it, they're great like i love i love each and every one of them i'm very happy that uh sam you know like his his arc in the show although it's not the main thing it's really interesting like he has a lot of growth in the show and goes through a lot of tragedy because he he got some you know he took he took a few licks yeah. uh but he never gave up and i love that and i that's I, like sam terry is one of my favorite ones in the show yeah see this is why you're here danny because i forgot that i like all the characters in the small council uh and yeah. i'm glad that they're there actually that's a good small council i still don't like the whole you know brand broken whatever the brand i saw carrying what I, a name I saw. I stopped caring about him season two, so I was like, "Ugh, Look, everyone." He's, he was my I last am choice. Still mad and frustrated that boy who stares at trees is apparently fit to rule the freaking Seven Kingdoms. It's okay. We have we have this small council. You know, they're legit. They're a little bit yeah. of all of our favorite people from the the, the small council people. is good, but also. I'm still mad that Sansa got only got the North, which is fine because I guess that's what she wanted. But like at yeah. the same time, I'm just like, you built her into a really good character who became strategic, who definitely came took after Catelyn and like mm-hmm. started embracing who she was. And then you're just like, and and you get one thing. You don't you're not even considered for other things. And I'm just kind of like, yeah. I don't like yeah. this. I like that. I kind of like it. You know, that's what they wanted. They don't want to be a part of the Seven Kingdoms anyway. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I guess. I guess it. I guess it would be fine if there hadn't been so much growth that had her interacting yeah. with different areas. Like yeah, being a like lot, a good queen. Basically. Ex- exactly. Well, that yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like you, she was good. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, and Arya makes sense dipping because Arya should be a queen. She wasn't like, even she, she in Westeros it. for half the yeah. show. Arya's <laughs> like, I don't need this. This isn't for me. Y'all figure it out. Yeah. I'm going to go do faceless shit over somewhere else. Except not in season eight because why would you, you know, use anyone's actual character powers more than just killing right. Walter Frey, I guess? Well, she did the knife thing. <laughs> So like you know, she did the knife thing. The yeah. knife thing was very good. And, I and, and, it. and on that, the good, the first two episodes, more or less, is kind of what we expected from season eight. It's what we wanted. It was big yeah. battles. It was like characters finally yeah. meeting oh, in the field. I guess all I'll, the characters coming together. I would. It, like it was to, happening. I would like to replace all of my eight point four comments with eight point three. That's where it's that that's <laughs> yeah. that's it. Um, but I I definitely like I wrote a piece about Arya Stark after like the introduction and everything because I actually think like. Arya becoming a woman in the sense of season eight and owning who she is as a person like it shows that like it completes the arc of her character Mm -hmm. so strongly um and then they just throw her away but like at least for like the opening of the season she's very very good and it was one of the things that they actually paid off they set up the knife in the beginning in the first season she ended up with the knife uh and then the knife went around a bunch of places but it, it found her it's way back to Arya's hands where she could be the one to actually exactly. use it and, and, you know, defeat the, yeah. the Night King. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and it's a good scene too, because like Kate mentioned oh, before and yeah. um, continue on to like what is good and what I enjoyed, the visuals and cinematography are great in so many of the set pieces. I didn't have the issue where everything was too dark. I don't know, just because I don't know if because we were using a projector maybe, but we didn't have the issue of, of like that whole scene being too dark. So Same. we did get to enjoy it, but you also have things like, you know, Rhaegal's death, John flying on Rhaegal after 
so long of being built up of him being able to ride dragons, the Batter of Winterfell, uh, Danny's siege of King's Landing, this is the also, Hound versus the Mountain. I believe, too, this is also the longest continuously shot battle sequence mm. um, a, since yeah. Helm's Deep. Yeah, and it pays off great. It, yeah. It's uh, fantastic. You know, like we said before, too, Arya doing anything in this season is great. Yeah. Um, even like the little things that don't really pay off later, but like Brienne being knighted oh is my God, such that... a powerful. And okay. Scene. You know what, though? Like, yes, that's powerful and it's great. And then they make Homegirl like all focus on a dude and cry. Yeah. And that's I hate I saying, it bef- because that's bef- not who Brienne was. Bad, it was really good. Uh... Everything, that, everything that happened in that room with the chimney. Up until that point, but everything prior, all the conversations, all the characters had. It was really good. That that yeah. set, like, needs to be moved to some kind of museum or something. Yeah. Uh, because it was one of the, like, best places that they had yeah. scenes that were so powerful for everyone. Uh, there was a lot of growth and a lot of kind of, like, finishing people's arcs. Yeah. Um, and, there was a lot of recognition, set. too, of, like, where they were and where they are yeah. now that I think worked really well in that scene. Yeah. So there are there are really great things, and it does to win some of those awards. Um you know, the acting was great. It's just really like it's the script that doesn't pay off all of those things. And uh, of course, like what would your know, pop culture TV be without, you know, famously bad last season? So things it would come to my mind immediately from shows that I liked was, you know, Dexter and Heroes and How I Met Your Mother and Scrubs and Lost. Um, but I don't think any of those shows have a drop in fandom like Game of Thrones did, at least directly after. I think after a couple of years, I think um, people are getting back into it and you were remembering that, you know, we did like the things. But you know, after Game of Thrones, I didn't recommend – I still recommended, like, Scrubs to people. I still love Scrubs. I'll watch episodes <laughs> of Scrubs. It was not something that uh, – Game of Thrones wasn't something I was recommending to um, – Yeah. I and mean, I know we talked about this, like, a little bit at the beginning, but as a kind of, like, rounding out of this whole topic here, you know, how does something go from having a stranglehold on pop culture for 10 years to not? Um, and Danny said at the beginning doesn't really know much about d d It was because they didn't really have much else. Uh, you know, one of them had done – x-men wolverine origins uh, movie and one of them hadn't done anything but still went on to have the largest stimul class episode streamed in 134 countries four percent of all of americans had watched the show it was the most liked show on all social media platforms you know sign it had a record setting 1.5 million people signing petition for competent rewriters to rewrite the series and (laughs) all that thing you know so widely popular to everyone just being like all right i'm out yeah, we'll you can at least over. watch How I Met Your Mother, but like not I watch also, like that last episode. So I also think that like that's all, that's one of the things that makes it hard because like when we look back at like some of like these bad shows, I feel like it's always like one episode, like it's it's the actual ending, not the ending season, or the ending season is so vastly different than everything else that you can still pr- like Scrubs. I literally say watch everything but the last season because you don't need the last season. It, it's literally not like connected or even features yeah, all the same actors from the show. rest of it. And yeah. I think that because you can draw those clear lines between it, it gets a little bit easier. Um, whereas like it, it's funny because like with The Office, the last two seasons are not great, but I will always tell people to watch that finale episode because the mm-hmm. finale episode for that is so important and like a look back that fits. Whereas like, I feel like with game of Thrones, like one of the reasons you do have like such a big, like departure and like flight from the fandom is because it was like 
four episodes of just character letdown after character letdown and you can't like you can't really consolidate it to one episode or one plot and so i think it gets harder to like pull stuff apart if that makes sense yeah, yeah it's real hard to be like hey stop watching in season six and everything starts to get really good yeah exactly <laughs> and and it, it and, I, and i think that that's like why it kind of like hits different or like makes people feel so viscerally angry is because like every different episode from four on you have a different character that is just for lack of a better words being shit on in their in their writing and choices and so it can't be like well if you want to preserve this stop watching at this episode like lost still never seen the last episode of lost but i enjoyed all the other hundred something um, and like that kind of stuff. Like there's really yeah. not a place where you can say, hey, dip here and you're still fine. Oh, I like Lost. I like the ending too. <laughs> I appreciate how everything wrapped up. I understand there's a lot of questions, but I don't mind. Like, yeah, I like to see the, I like seeing the top spinning and not knowing what's happening afterwards. Like, you know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't mind being left with a bunch of questions because I could just revisit it and just kind of make up my own mind about um, what's going on. Because I did see Lost on the notes and I was like, Okay, I, I understand why there's a lot of people that, yeah, it, it's so it's so ambiguous that that you're like okay, but but to me it's like well then I get to come up with yeah. whatever the ending is, yeah. which and shouldn't be my fair. job. To be fair, I have never watched it, um, and I'm too scared to now. Like I've gone so long without watching it that I can't form an opinion on it. Therefore, I will never watch it because like I don't know how this is gonna change. But yeah. I think that that's but, fair because I do I do like some ambiguous endings. Yeah, I just like endings that make sense at least in some kind of string, and we didn't get that there. But it, it's okay because there is lots of Game of Thrones in the future, and if you like, you know, the story and the intrigue, there are stuff coming down the pipe, kind of as we wrap up here. But um, the Game of Thrones Twitter is like on a mad dash to like get uh, things back to where they kind of were. As I'm, I'm, I'm assuming to make game of thrones like the like how it was in the old days of 2011 where we're we're following along on twitter to this you know stuff um april 10th they for the 10 year anniversary they had a marathon to binge the whole series for a marathon um i wasn't aware of this i did not participate in the marathon did not even see it on my timeline you, yeah. you know, I'm going to recommend that they curated lists of like the thematical episodes to watch, like maybe people's arcs. Uh, yeah, if you go back to the website or the YouTube channel, they curated lists of like all these episodes kind of have the same journey for a, for a character. They're either spe character specific or like maybe they're the battles. They made some really cool lists that I think that don't include a lot of the last episodes, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But but they are kind of fun. Like if I was to rewatch, and I've been thinking about rewatching Game of Thrones. Uh, so, but if you don't want to rewatch the whole thing, I think looking through some of those lists, and I'll try to send the link to you guys so you can put it on your notes. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it 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 seems like a good fun approach to rewatching some of the revisiting some of the highlights uh, of the show. Yeah, and that's kind of like what they did, like in their their marathon. They would like ask people like for like their best moments and things like that. And then on April fourteenth, which is the anniversary. They tweeted winter is coming and the quote tweets on that thread are hilarious. And I'll put that in the show notes. I so you just can saw everybody being like, no, stop. Like, no, no it's stop. Ma'am, ma'am, it's April. Go away. <laughs> um, and then on 20, April 26th, they just started like randomly tweeting multiple tweets of fire emojis and like retweeting other series that have fire in it, which I assume is to announce like the House of Dragons spinoff that's in production because there are 
multiple spinoffs in the works. The so funny House thing, of Dragons just I, started production. Yeah. I don't care about that one. I, I really don't. Like, and you know what? I don't want to watch like the lily white, white haired Targaryens again. You know yeah, what I, I really want? Either. I want the fucking sand snakes. I want all of the stuff from that part of Game of Thrones, which we never the got. Other, the other part of the world? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the one I'm the most excited about, and I know that maybe you were going there. Uh, the Tales of Duncan Egg, because yeah. not only do I, I haven't read the book, but I love the comic. I love the characters. They they adapted the first two novellas into a comic. Uh, I think Marvel and somebody else, but then Marvel bought out the comic, the reprints. Uh, but also, it inspired one of my favorite movies, The Night A Knight's Tale, with Mark Eddy. Uh, <laughs> so it all kind of comes back to that, uh, because A Knight's Tale is very loosely inspired by the first novella uh, of the Tales of Duncan Egg. So I definitely, that's probably the one the most excited for. Yeah, th- there's a few. Um, some I'm more excited than others because I'm kind of in the capo where I'm not really not that excited about House of Dragons. So if you're not familiar with kind of like the premise of these upcoming shows that are coming out, you have House of Dragon is kind of going to be like the big one and really going to set the tone for the rest of how the slate works. But this is just 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones. If you know anything about Game of Thrones, they always say, you know, 300 years ago when the Targaryens, who knows what is true or not. So I guess we're going to find out what's true or not because it's basically going to be covering like the Dance of the Dragons and the Targaryen succession in a 10 long a 10 episode long order coming in 2022 they just started filming and doing the production and stuff like that this month like danny mentioned tales of duncan and egg follow the adventures of sir duncan the tall and a young aegon targaryen and this takes place 90 years before the start of george r R. martin's a song of ice and fire series and basically going to be more of like a kind of fun thing where you have you know duncan and um the Targaryen being like the King's Guard and things like that should be more fun. That one I'm more excited about because, like Danny said, the uh, adapted material for that is pretty fun. And I believe that I may I may be wrong and maybe people are going to be angry, but I believe a uh, the Maester at the Night's Watch is Aegon, all grown yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, that's what that 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 stuff is. That stuff I'm excited about because I've always wanted to know like what did this so guy do? What was he doing? I could potentially be excited for this. If they go like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern arc, like type thing. So oh, I don't yeah. know if y'all know like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Like they're essentially like these side characters in Hamlet who have like taken on a whole like their own pop culture life where like it's just like dark comedy and them like doing like I, I think that I could get behind that if they did this in that style. Yeah, I know. I know Tag and Bink is the equivalent of that in Star Wars. Where they just kind of have they they live through all the events, but like through these side characters. So I would I, that would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Then you have Ten Thousand Ships, which is the working title of a spinoff and development that um, will deal with the tale of Nymeria fleeing the Dragon Lords in Essos and crossing over into the Channel um, in the Summer Sea, where she burned down an entire fleet of ships, ten thousand ships. Um, and this would take place a thousand years before a Song of Ice and Fire, making it the earliest project to go the farthest back and this is more of a because if you remember um aria's dire wolf was named Nymeria and or Nymeria and she named her specifically after you know this tale that's where that's coming from then you have that Nine could Voyage. be interesting yeah either take me like way back or take me forward like that's yeah. all i really care about um nine voyages unlike tales 
of Dunkin' Egg or 10,000 Ship, this spinoff series would have a direct tie-in into the House of Dragons. Um, and this, we don't have a whole lot, but I think the this is really just going to be one of the more of the things of if the House of Dragons does good, then we'll get this um, more of the other side, kind of like what Kate's talking about with like the Sea of Snakes and those things. So I think just depending on how well it does, but who knows? I think what bothers me with this is like, I don't think anybody should plan a spinoff series of a series they're currently developing because that means that there are going to be gaps in the storytelling so they can push you to the new thing. Yeah, not that, wrong. There. That's what scares me. There's also a possible show called Flea Bottom, and this is a spinoff that would give viewers a kind of gritty glimpse of the every lives of citizens residing in the poor sections of King's Landing, which sounds terrible. This is the but one I, I least want. Like, why? Yeah, I know. I know. But do you I know, need the wire but in King's Landing? Like, is this what yeah, we're going? Yeah. I mean, and then you have people who like started in like Flea Bottom and like worked their way up, I guess. So, I mean, that because that would be kind of cool to see. But I've seen enough of Flea Bottom to know that I don't want a series about it. There's also an untitled animated series, which we don't really have a lot of details for. Again, this is probably a wait and see kind of thing. Um, books. If you know anything about Game of Thrones books, we had a whole series before that we got another a new book. So George R. R. Martin um, would not survive as a mangaka. We know this 110%. He did not meet any of those deadlines. <laughs> but book six, The Winds of Winter, has been worked, been, basically been worked on for 10 years now. In March 2020... Martin had said that um, he was writing every day and hoped that it would be published uh, or he'd be done with it by 2020, that he would be done with it by 2021. I don't know if there's any updated thing on that, but I just know that we've been waiting since 2011 for him to you know, give us information on the book. Then book seven is also slated, which is a titled A Dream of Spring, which is supposed to be the finale of the series. In May 2019, he said that he wasn't going to start working on A Dream of Spring until he finished Winds of Winter. Man is 72 years old. I don't know if he has another 10 years to write a book, so I don't even know if we're ever going to get like the finish to the series. Um, but that's what we kind of have slated for the books in the future if we ever do get them. Um, which I, I also wonder, too, like how much of this is... Um... Because I haven't, I never, I own all the books. I never finished reading them. But I wonder how much of the Game of Thrones issue comes from, like, the Full Metal Alchemist syndrome of just, like, oh. yeah, yeah. I've run out of stuff. Let's uh -oh. do things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how much of the good in the seasons, like, where do they specifically, do you know, like, where the books ran out specifically? Yeah, so I think, the, uh, I have to go back and look at our notes, but I believe it is season, season. six is okay. basically kind of where we taper off. Yeah. Or they're just kind of like using things and then season seven and you can correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but season seven is like, they're getting like little tidbits from George R. R. Martin and then they're kind of like doing things. Yeah. That sounds yeah. all right. I think cause the book at the time, I think was it season five, maybe that the books kind of ran out, but they still had a lot of things from George. Yeah, other things and, to, to yeah. cover. Yeah. yeah. But I think season six is like one where we run out of that and they're kind of just yeah. going and doing things. Okay. Because, yeah, I wonder if that may have been, like, one of the big issues, too. Just, like, that Full Metal Alchemist Syndrome. Like, it was yeah. good when it was on the rails, but once it goes off. But go watch The Conqueror of Shambhala, because that's a sick movie. Like, even if you take it outside of the Full Metal Alchemist uh, canon, it's still pretty cool to see alchemy and, like, real steampunk science uh, in the same movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's all, all I really have, to be honest. I mean, I think I just wanted to we, had to, we had to do something. And I think having a conversation about something that was a huge cultural staple, you know, two years ago, 
I think coming away from this conversation for me, and I'll kind of like jump off kind of some of these final thoughts, I guess. But um, I think rewatching it now with someone who hasn't rewatched it and kind of like seeing the magic of the show work um, in real time and knowing that even after all this time as someone who hasn't seen it, who hasn't, who wasn't there, you know, when all this was going on, still enjoy the show really shows the merits of this show is great. And having these moments are kind of like invaluable. Um, and conversations like this are kind of invaluable at the end of the day, right? Cause it's a good conversation about something that I didn't want to talk about for two years straight. So I just appreciate the show in general for just kind of being good for fandom in general, because when usually when we have these splits on like, if something was good or bad, it's a terrible split and it's exhausting, but here everyone came together and rose up against the tyranny to hate, uh, the way our show ended. So, I just appreciate the fandom and the show itself for, yeah. for giving those. And I don't know how many of these, you know, spinoffs I'll be, you know, watching week to week, but it's something. I don't know. Can can we scrap that flea bottom and then just get a Bravos spinoff? Oh, I would yeah. take Dude, that. Bank of give Bravos, me Bravos. Give yeah. Like me, you can please. include all the, the House of Black and White stuff. Like just, there's so much more in Bravos that you could do with that in Honestly, I'ma just say it. From reading this, it really feels like they said, let's pick the whitest areas of Westeros and stay right there. Yeah. yeah that's exactly when, like, what this sounds that's like. That's not the cool shit. Like uh-huh. lit like the coolest stuff that like I have wanted to go into isn't like the traditional like War of the Roses like European stuff. Like the cool things that Game of Thrones did was input all of these extra pieces of lore and show that the world was bigger and start to show that the world was bigger than just the Seven Kingdoms. And I think yeah. the fact that we're stuck in that, I, I feel like we're kind of missing those important pieces. And also, like, I just don't care about the Targary- Targaryens anymore. I'm sorry. You made me not care about them by what you did with season yeah, eight. I'd rather go, like, go, like, old Valyria. Like, give me, like, old, I would old take stuff that. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would take that. A baby Pedro Pascal. Oh, I would de- <laughs> Oh, please. Baby Viper. Maybe that's also what it is. Just give me, give Pedro Pascal his own series pre-heads, pre-head oh, smash. No, I, will I take forgot that. about that. I had blocked that out. I'm, uh, all, I'm uh, coming up to that soon. I, I will say I'm, I'm kind of, I know they recently announced that play, which is like that big tournament that they, they mentioned in the show. Uh, I, I would be interested in going to see something like that because I'd be interested to see how it's adapted to a, a theater format. Obviously, I don't think there's plays going on right now. But but when when that happens again, I think they scheduled maybe for next year. That whole tournament sounds super cool. I'm sure people that have read the books they can get a little bit more out of that uh, if they touched on it. But that just sounds like all the characters that are supposed to be at that tournament. Like it sounds like an interesting mix of people and and like a lot of stuff happened uh, because everybody's really snarky uh, when they throw the other tournament where they all kind of meet up again. Yeah, I, I like the season. I mean, stuff like that be fun, right? But I don't need I don't need to know how the Targaryens took power, you know, three hundred years ago. They had dragons. That's and how. I think it, <laughs> yes, exactly. That <laughs> well, that and I think too. Like one of the things is like for me, I feel like what they're gonna do in the future, we already know because we've heard it talked about so much from existing characters and like i guess it's cool that you're going into like things that informed like how characters were but like i i don't know it feels just like a miss for me and it it kind of worries me yeah it feels like a big miss for me um especially when you have like the mandalorian that's like separate but like in there exactly it's it's own thing don't force it into the story yeah i think that's a really good point 
Which is yeah. weird because HBO's been giving us some really cool stuff recently, like HBO. I mean, uh, Watchmen and uh, Lovecraft Country. So they 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 can get more diverse worlds. Like they know people like that stuff. So I don't know why they're kind of honing in on this like one piece of of lore. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, I love dragons. I think dragons are dope. But like, yeah. kind of what you said, Adrian. I don't need the stuff that I've heard about already. I've already yeah. had unless the story. Fight, told unless they're fighting other stuff, like I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I would know. take old Valyria though. That yeah, I would take, and I think I would also take it because I really like the yeah. way that 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 conlang is built out. Like the the yeah. language is built yeah, yeah. out for Valyrian. Uh, I <laughs> do want to. Like... I do want to see that giant dragon that they've talked about. <laughs> yeah, it's enormous. It's like yeah. four times. Like, yeah. it's just big, big, big. Yep. Well, I mean, that's all I have. Um, I hope it, it was a much more positive conversation than I was expecting, which I which I think is um, really great. So I've kind of given my final thoughts, but we'll go with Kate and then Daniel will wrap us up with his wholesome <laughs> closing words. <laughs> yeah, I want some time that I spent back with uh, season eight for sure, and I'm never going to get it back. But like, I also like prepping for this episode and thinking about it. Like, I and I'll I'll link him in the show notes. Like, I did write two really good pieces, and honestly, the Sansa piece that I wrote about her was a really personal one of like how how you do write somebody like from a place of trauma and being informed of it and that kind of stuff. And like, I can appreciate that, and I think that's what is hard for me is like it's really easy to throw Game of Thrones away until you start to remember the things that made you love it and the things that you think that it did well because like it sucks. Like I feel like Game of Thrones is a show of extremes. It's a show that did things new and innovative and different and extremely well, and it's also a show that completely wrecked everything for the characters that they built up. But I think the importance is, like, as we look back on it, like, it is still a show that, like, united a lot of people together. And even when it was bad, it, like, united everybody together in their hate for it. Like, and I, I think that, like, my path through Game of Thrones is a good one. And I can't throw it all away because of, like, one crappy season. Um... And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I, I'm not all negative. Yes, it was booty. But, like, also, I'm not going to throw out seven seasons because of the one bad one. And I, I think that, like, having distance from it, I've understood that now. Like, you can say, like, oh, yeah, this was a really bad season. But to say all of Game of Thrones is, was a waste of time is a big lie. Because it wasn't. And you were tweeting with it. And you were having watch parties. And you were doing all of that stuff all leading up to that. Um, and I think that that's kind of like, I feel like now we're so far away from it that I think people can kind of look back and have a more informed and like less visceral reaction. Um, I definitely had a visceral, visceral reaction after and like Adrian kind of noted, like I didn't want to talk about it for two years. So like, this is the first time I've really talked about Game of Thrones since then. But yeah, that that's my final yeah. thoughts. Yeah, that's good. It's good. We're in a lot of the same boat there, which is, which is great. So even if it's just hate watching, you know, flea bottom. I'm, I'm, I'm not oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I don't think they need to do much for these future shows because at the very least, everybody's going to tune in to hate watch it. For sure. And Danny, you want to close this out? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I'm glad I got to talk to you guys about this. Uh, it's So the way I kind of look at stuff, and, and I'm lucky that I get to pick and choose what I talk about with, you know, and in, in stuff or you know, even on our own podcast or when I get invited to stuff because I like tend to focus on the things that I like to talk about. As if, I, if I don't like something, I'm not really going to go on and like 
criticize it or like I won't recommend it, but but I don't actively like put it down. Um, so I tend to focus on the positive. And I think overall, Game of Thrones gave me a net positive experience. Uh, like I said, we we had really good times just watching and doing stuff and hanging out with my friends, doing all this stuff. Like I can't. There hasn't been a show since uh, that 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 happens. Like where we all kind of get together and watch it. And maybe because, like Kate mentioned earlier, we don't really have appointment television anymore. Uh, so hopefully some of these streaming services will change that. I think Amazon's doing it kind of a little bit because they release their, their Friday stuff really comes out on Thursday night. Uh, so we could have stuff like that. But yeah, overall, uh, I, I really enjoyed Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm glad that we got to talk about it and revisit it. I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch it now, I think. After this conversation, uh, and then this show had Starbucks in it, and I love Starbucks, so there we go. That's a perfect way to that's perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, we thank you so much, Danny, for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it, uh, and look forward to having you back for whatever wholesomeness you want to go talk about. Sure. Well, Danny, why don't you tell everybody where they can find, hear, see all of your work? Oh, sure. Um, so you can find me personally on my Twitter at Echo Spider. Uh, you can follow my podcast at Next Issue Podcast. Uh, Next Issue Pod. Um, I always mess that up. And we just got our custom link for YouTube. So I can actually save the custom link. Yay! YouTube, yeah, YouTube.com slash C slash Next Issue Podcast. Uh, we do a live show where we talk about comics and different things. Uh, and then just, I, I do a lot of videos reacting to like trailers and stuff that's coming up. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I'm going to do some Game of Thrones focused episodes in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but once again, thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Um, so as always, if you like what you're doing, head on over to But Why Though PC. We are verified on Discord, guys, after a very long fight to get here. Um, if you want to come in, talk about the podcast, talk about general pop culture, join some movie nights, head over to discord.gg slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. Um, and then if you want to get in on some Patreon action and support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash But Why Though PC. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at OmamithRandir, where I'm re-watching all of Castlevania again. So uh, talking a lot about the things in there. A lot of thirst. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Oh, it's so weird not having that to close <laughs> <Yeah>. it out. <laughs> uh, you can find us hate-watching things. I don't know. <laughs> 